Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. The sermon you are about to watch is very significant in the life of our church. In May of 2017, after a year of our pastors praying and seeking God regarding what is next for us as a church, we launched what we have called the Next Campaign. The message you are about to watch is our 2018 update on all that God has already done through Next and what is yet to come as we continue to depend on God each step of the way. We hope you enjoy the message. 160 years ago, in a small town north of Atlanta, Georgia, a new church was born called First Baptist Woodstock. Fast forward 145 years to the city of Las Vegas. Because of the heart of the people in that small Atlanta suburb, another church was born. We call ourselves Hope Church. Since arriving in this dusty, exciting, wild, and amazing city, we've had an incredible journey. When three guys and their families arrived in 2000 to plant Hope Church, none of them imagined all that God would do. From thousands of people becoming Jesus followers, to churches being multiplied up and down the West Coast, to joining in God's activity on six different continents, God has been on the move in, for, and through His people. Which brings us to today. It brings us to a question. What's next? Clearly, God's been moving through Hope Church, and we don't want to miss out on what He desires to do next. That's why we've launched this campaign, simply called Next. The Next Campaign is a three-year spiritual journey seeking the heart of God in answer to the question, what's next for Hope Church in reaching this generation and the generations to come? There are three components of the Next Campaign, Next Step, Next Chapter, and Next Generation. With the Next Step, we seek to respond to the blessing of our growing fellowship by continuing the construction of our campus's master plan design. Since 2001, We've been riding a wave of the favor of God. We want to respond to this favor by creating and redesigning environments that will allow us to welcome more people to our gather time on Sundays, better attract children and students, and provide a venue for ministry and community events, all to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. With the next chapter, we seek to engage in strategic, spirit-led opportunities in Las Vegas, the West, and the world to make a lasting difference in people's lives. From impacting foster care and fighting human trafficking locally, to sending teams and engaging people globally, we have some lofty goals. Together we can serve people, make disciples, and multiply churches, all for the glory of God. With the next generation, we seek to establish an even stronger foundation to raise up future generations of Jesus followers those who will outlive us all and continue to join in God's activity in the future. The work that God is doing in and through us is not only bigger than our church, it is bigger than our lifetime. At Hope Church, we believe the greatest days for our fellowship are yet to come. As we seek to answer what's next, you have a part to play. First, pray and listen to God. Second, obey His voice as He invites you to join in His activity. Finally, trust that He is able to do more than you could ask or think. God has blessed us at Hope Church, and we can't wait to see what's next. So there you're caught up with where we were a year ago. In 2015, God did uh, some big stuff in my life and my family's life. Uh, God had called us here in 2000. We moved here with our family to join in God's activity of starting this church in our living room. And we knew that God was calling us here. We knew that God had an incredible plan. And God had birthed in our hearts some stuff that we believe that God desired to do in the city of Las Vegas. And over those first 15 years as a fellowship... We saw God do all of it. We saw thousands of people come to Christ in Las Vegas. We saw churches multiplied up and down the West Coast. Our church began to engage in the city here in local ministry, and we began to get involved on multiple continents around the world, joining in God's activities, sending people out and serving to expand his kingdom. And my wife and I looked at each other in 2015 and kind of thought, well, what's next for us? Because everything God had put in our hearts when he brought us here to be about planting this church, he'd accomplished. And so we really began to wrestle with, God, are you finished with us here in Las Vegas? Is there something else, God, that you're calling us to? And to make a long story short, through about a year period of time, 2015, 2016, 
God used a series of events and circumstances in mine and my wife's life to solidify for us a life call to the city of Las Vegas and to this work called Hope Church, meaning that God didn't call us here for a moment or for a season, but we believe that God called us here now to plant our lives for the rest of our lives, joining in God's activity, which means you're stuck with us whether you like it or not. We're here. So... um, Now, like we challenge all of us, all of us have to live with a yes on the table, Lord, whenever, wherever, whatever, but we really believe at this season that we've heard clearly from the Lord that that he's planted us here for our lives. And so once God solidified that for us, then we begin to ask another question. Okay, Lord, what's next for Hope Church? Because you know me after all these years by well enough to know that I'm not the type pastor where we can just be content to go week to week and have a couple more people next weekend than we had last weekend. That's not how we're wired as a fellowship. God's wired us to get involved in what he's doing. So we begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what's the next mountain you want us to climb? What's the next battle you want us to fight? What's the next hill you want us to take? Lord, you show us. And in the process of praying through that with my wife and our family and with a couple of our pastors, one morning in my God time, just my devotional time with the Lord, I came across a, a verse in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 33, and I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 33, verse 11, here's what it said. It said, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are from generation to generation. And that morning, as I read that verse of Scripture, the Holy Spirit of God just began to speak freshly into my life about what he began to have, what he had in store for us as a fellowship. And there were three things in particular that the Lord showed me out of that verse, and I want to give them to you as a foundation for everything we're going to say today. Here's the first thing. God has a plan. Here's why that's important. He doesn't need us to come up with one. You see, my temptation in moments like I was living in in 2015, 2016, what I want to do, I want to get in a room, I want to get some whiteboards, I want to get some dreamers in the room, and let's come up with a plan that we can do something great for God. But here's the bottom line. God didn't call us to that. God has a plan. Did you hear what the verse said? His plans, the plans of His heart. Now, God's ultimate plan, we know what his ultimate plan is. It's to expand his kingdom to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Let me read it for you out of Revelation chapter 5. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, this is describing a scene at the end of the world as we know it. When the Bible says, worthy are you, speaking of Jesus, to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. You see, God made us to know him and to love him, but because of sin, we're separated from God. But God is on a mission in the world, redeeming unto himself a people from every tribe, tongue, people and nation from all over planet earth that will be his kingdom that will reign with him in heaven forever and forever that's the ultimate plan but this word plan in the hebrew language here in in psalm 33 is a word that means a series of steps to be carried out and here's what that means inside the scope of god's sovereign ultimate plan he's ordered a series of steps that he's called us to as a fellowship that's our unique way of joining in the big picture of what God is doing in the world. God is on a mission in the world, but he has a unique set of steps that he's called us to that are a small part of the big picture of what he's doing. So here's the second thing out of that verse. Not only God has a plan, number two, we must hear from the Lord about that plan. We don't need to get in a room and come up with some ideas. We need to press into him. We need to pursue him. What we had in that moment was a lack of clarity about what was next. Any time in our lives there's a lack of clarity, a lack of clarity is always an invitation to deeper intimacy with God. He's inviting us to pursue him. A couple of phrases in this verse. He said the plans of his heart. Here's what that means. To know his plan we got to seek his heart. we got to pursue him. He said his 
counsel will stand. It's direction, advice as to a decision or course of action. Meaning this, to know his plan, we need to listen for his counsel. So here's the posture that led us to as a fellowship. We needed to not come up with a plan. We needed to, as a fellowship, seek the Lord together to hear collectively, to hear together what steps God was calling us to. And here's the third thing. He, 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 he spoke into my heart out of that verse. His plan impacts the generations to come. Do you hear what he said? The counsel of the Lord will stand. His plans are from generation to generation. And here's why that morning it just blew my mind. When God birthed our church in 2001, we've always said from the beginning, when God birthed our church, it was bigger than us. God didn't birth our church just so we could have a neat place to come and gather on the weekend. God didn't birth our church just so we could be taught the word of God and worship together and meet one another's needs. No, when God birthed our church, it was bigger than us. We've always said it was about Las Vegas. It was about the West. It was about the world. When God birthed our church, it's bigger than our city. It's bigger than our country. It's even bigger than our continent. But here's what I'd never realized until that morning. It's bigger than our lifetime. You see, what God's invited us into is the opportunity for a moment to be a steward of his activity here in the city of Las Vegas through the vehicle called Hope Church. But one day, we're going to pass that baton to somebody else. And somebody else is going to continue to run in that lane. Here's what that means. The tracks that we are laying right now to join in God's activity are the very tracks our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren will grab the baton and continue to run in for the sake. Why? How do we know this? Because God's sovereign. And his plans are from generation to generation. So last year, what we did uh, was we launched what we called the Next Campaign. It had three components you just heard about, next step, next chapter, next generation. We're going to be unpacking some updates because what led us to this was after the Lord spoke these things into the heart of my and my wife and our pastoral team, we began to gather our staff team, our leadership team, our volunteers, and we spent about 12 months seeking the Lord to hear together. And what we launched for you a year ago was a 15-year strategy, 15 years of ordered steps that we believe God has called us to as a fellowship. And what we want to do today is we want to peel back the curtain for a minute and let you hear what God is doing beyond anything we could have ever imagined in the first year, God has opened up the windows of heaven and given us incredible favor. So I'm going to invite Pastor Travis Ogle to come up here with me. Travis is our senior executive pastor, and you get to hear me teach all the time. You only get to hear Travis a few times a year, but if you don't know it, God blessed our church when he gave us Travis Ogle. God is using this man in incredible ways in the life of our fellowship. Who knew when he moved out here or he first came out here as a high school senior on a mission trip and did a skit in my living room, if you can imagine that, Travis the skit doer, right? So Travis comes and joins in God's activity that God would call him here, and I want him to share this with me as we reveal what God's doing because a lot of what's happened in this year, God's used Travis as a strategic leader on our team to really put his shoulder into this and work with a lot of volunteers and other leaders in our fellowship and in our city. But God's really used Travis to orchestrate a lot of this. So I want him to help us with these updates. So Travis, first of all, just give us a brief update about the next step, this expansion of our facility. So when we launched the next campaign, here is how we defined our next step as a fellowship. It is our response to the blessing of a growing fellowship by developing our campus's master plan to allow for future growth that will fuel the next wave of God's activity in and through us. And with our next step since last summer, we've really had two priorities. The first priority was the completion of an additional two and a half acres of parking. We understand that we need more parking on our campus like yesterday. You're, this service totally understands that. We actually have an additional five acres of undeveloped land. What we would like to do is to develop two and a half of those acres immediately as soon as we're approved. And then when we open up our brand new worship center 
to develop the initial, the other two and a half acres. However, because our campus is located adjacent to a regional floodwater detention basin, the requirements for approval for us to develop our additional land on this property are extremely intense. So we are about 90% through the approval process in order to begin construction on an additional two and a half acres of land here on this campus that will all be dedicated to parking and bringing some future relief for us here on our campus. So as soon as we're through that process, we plan on beginning construction on that parking, but that's where um, that priority is at this moment. The second priority for us is the design of our new worship center. And the primary update here is that we have completed conceptual design and we are now moving toward schematic design because our new worship center is going to be our long-term permanent worship facility we really want to ensure that we get the design right even if that takes a little bit more time so we're going to come back in a few months once we have a little bit more clarity on our timeline and be announcing an official groundbreaking date and prayerfully a bullseye of when we plan to move into our new worship center. So those have been the two initial priorities for us since last summer, and that's the status on both of those. And we just want to today say thank you for being a church that lives out our value of generous living. You have so demonstrated generosity. Last year when we kicked this off, uh, there were a number of pledges made about people wanting to get involved in where we were going financially. And just in one year... We've already seen three point, over $3.3 million of resources, not pledged, but actually given just in the first year. And we thank God for that. Amen? What a blessing. <clears throat> and in addition to that, because of what I'm about, some of the things we're about to share with you, uh, we've already had another, just this Thursday, Travis and I had a meeting with someone in our fellowship, and they've committed another million dollars, and the first 500000 of that is supposed to come in this week. So we thank God for his continued provision as we take these next steps. Um, now, but bottom line, that's really all we want to say today about a building because what we're talking about is not about a building. It's about engaging Las Vegas, the West, and the world. We at Hope Church see facilities simply as a tool. It's just a tool on our belt to allow us to respond to what God's doing so that we can continue to engage in his activity. So the rest of our time, we want to spend talking about this idea of the next chapter, these initiatives that God's given us, these steps, and show you God's activity in and through our fellowship. So here's the next chapter. The next chapter is our engagement in the strategic spirit-led opportunities that are before us, allowing us to make a lasting impact in Las Vegas, the West, and the world for the glory of God. We believe there are some very strategic spirit-led opportunities that God has revealed to us that he's called us to be a part of. And really what drove us was this question. When we look back 10 to 15 years from today, what's going to be different in Las Vegas, the West, and the world because our church exists. 10 to 15 years from today, we shouldn't just be able to say, well, there are more people coming to church. No, we should be able to look back 10 to 15 years from today and say, man, Las Vegas is a better place to live because God birthed our church. The Western United States is being transformed and the nations are being served and impacted because God birthed our fellowship. So we want to begin by talking specifically about what God's opened up to us in the arena, in the city of Las Vegas. Let's start there. The first initiative that we launched, and there are a lot of things we're not going to mention today. We just don't have time. But the first initiative that we launched was to really begin to wrap our arms around the, 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 the situation that is foster care in Clark County and in Las Vegas. Uh, we wanted to impact the lives of children in need through engagement in the foster care system. You may or may not know this statistic, but Nevada is the only state in America that has more children in the foster system awaiting adoption than it has churches in the state. Every other state in America has more churches than it has children, meaning if in every other state in America, every church would just get involved and foster and adopt one child, we could serve the children and the cities of the nation that we live in. But Nevada's not like that. We have more children than we have churches in the state. So it's a real challenge in our city to address this issue. But we believe that God had specifically called us to wrap our arms around these in our city. So we launched an initiative 
out of our church called Fostering Hope. It was a new ministry specifically focused on this objective. And our focus this past year has been really twofold. We wanted to recruit and train new foster parents. And we did that through a relationship with Department of Family Services where they allowed us to be a host site. And we've begun to host classes here on our campus to train parents and get them certified into a foster uh, program that's run by the city. The city runs that. We get to be the host and we get to serve the city in providing the recruitment and the training. So we are uh, now in that process. The other thing we were doing was focusing on supporting existing families that were already in the foster care system. So to date, we've now had 70 new people that have been trained here on our site to be certified as foster parents just in the first year. And we're currently involved in our third class of people being certified right now. So we thank God for that. So 70 new people. In addition to that, our ministry called Fostering Hope is walking with 90 families that are currently fostering children, bringing support, supplies, encouragement, and resources to those families. But even more important than those numbers are, the stories of the people that are involved in this are an even greater testimony. So I want you to watch this video of one family in our church who's already begun to engage in the foster care system. The Mathis family is much like your family. They are busy with full-time jobs, the chaos of toddlers, maintaining the day-to-day demands of life, and yet, at times, feeling so inadequate. So last year, when Hope shared the need in our city for foster parents, the Mathises could have given a million reasons why they couldn't be a part of what God was doing. By God's grace, they instead put their yes on the table and were licensed as foster parents through the Department of Family Services here at Hope. In May of 2017, Manny and Brianna had a lot of questions, but two things they knew for sure. This wouldn't be easy, but it would be worth it. The Mathises stepped into the all too common foster care story that is complex and heartbreaking. The day they picked up their foster baby, Jay, from the hospital, there was such joy, but also heartbreak for a mother that didn't get to bring her child home from the hospital. This brokenness for Jay's mom has turned into amazing opportunities for Manny and Brianna to show her the love of Jesus without condition or judgment. In the uncertainty of this journey, 2 Corinthians 4.18 has been an anchor for the Mathis family. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Manny and Brianna are impacting the story of a child forever. In the end, they have no idea where Jay will end up, so they cherish every day knowing God is good and his ability to care for Jay is better than anything they can offer him. But for now, they are blessed to be a part of his life and forever a part of his story. Amen. I don't think that there's anything we could do as a church that would more represent the heart of Jesus to our community. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And for us to wrap our arms around this segment of our city, and and just in this first year, we've already seen families in our church. We've had many children involved in our ministry here that have been hosted as foster children in our, in our fellowship. We're now getting to see, we've seen a couple of those young students that have embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we've now seen a few of the biological families that we're serving begin to connect and allow us to serve them in an even deeper level. So we're thrilled at the opportunity God's given us just in the first year. But Travis, you've really been super involved in this. Your family's actually been through the certification process. Um, tell us about about the, the story that you've had in the relationship with DFS? Yeah, the local agency that is responsible to keep children safe here in our city is called the Department of Family Services, or DFS for short. And God has given us an incredible relationship Amen. with the Department of Family Services. He has connected us relationally. He has shown us favor in some areas that we thought may be areas of opposition, and to really communicate the, the depth of relationship that we're able to have now with DFS, I ask a couple of them just to write out a quote to share with you all what it means to them for Hope Church to be so engaged in the city of Las Vegas when it comes to foster care. So I want to read a couple of those for you. Uh, one employee from the Department of Family Services said, the foster care system can be disheartening. At times, I forget the reason I began working in this field. By partnering with Hope Church, 
I have felt their passion, which has reignited a fire in my soul to support vulnerable children and families in an immense way. Is that awesome? That's great. Another employee said this, when Pastor Travis first shared his heart with me regarding supporting children and their families in foster care, I was brought to tears. I dropped my shoulders, hung my head, and let out an exhausted sigh of relief. It was then I knew that we were not fighting this seemingly insurmountable battle alone, nor did we have to fight it independently. I am forever grateful for the genuine heart that Hope Church has for advocating for, comforting, and helping the least of these in our city. Isn't that powerful? So as we have continued to just develop a relationship partnership with the Department of Family Services, they had been strategizing around a citywide initiative to target the faith community and assimilate the faith community in Las Vegas to engage in the foster care system. And several weeks ago, I was a part of a meeting where we were just praying through, thinking through, what could this look like? And during that meeting, they asked us, they invited us to the table to be a lead church with their support to engage in a citywide initiative to target the faith community. That citywide initiative, amen. That citywide initiative is going to be called Every Church, Every Child. And here's our goal. Partnering with every church to provide every child with a safe and nurturing home. Church, this is a big deal. And it's an honor for us to be able to be invited to the table with an existing system in our city to do exactly what we set out to do, to impact the lives of children through engagement in the foster care system. So this initiative is still in the works. We're still working through the details. We're going to be inviting other churches to obviously be a part of this. But our prayer from last May continues to be the same prayer, that one day in our city, There will be families waiting on children instead of children waiting on families. And we're not, amen. And I want you to know this. We're not there yet, but we're moving the needle. Amen. 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 Well, another initiative here in Vegas that we set out last May to really lean into is helping provide a path of escape for individuals trapped in sexual exploitation and abuse. And so when we launched the next campaign, I began to research ministries, organizations, nonprofits here in our city and around the country that were really making a difference in this very, very dark area. And through a relationship on our staff, it was actually Pastor Jeff Phillips, I was connected with a ministry in Shreveport, Louisiana called Purchased Not For Sale, that was founded and is led by a lady named Cassie Hammett. And as I began to research more and more about the ministry model for this ministry called Purchased, there were numerous things that were incredibly impressive to me. For example, I was very impressed that they are unapologetic when it comes to sharing the gospel in everything that they do. I was impressed that their ministry is deeply rooted and connected in the local church. I was impressed by their effectiveness in reaching people and walking with people who are in the sex industry or who are victims of sex trafficking. I was amazed at their passion to become invaluable to the systems in their city, specifically when it comes to law enforcement. Currently in Shreveport, Louisiana, Purchased is one of the first resources that law enforcement looks to when dealing with victims of sex trafficking in the city. And I was also impressed by the way that they mobilize Jesus followers to serve and engage through their ministry and their program. So over the past few months, I have been developing a pretty strong relationship with Cassie Hammett and her husband, Brent, 
So much so that we felt it would be really exciting to have Cassie here this Sunday as we talk about this update for the next campaign. So church family, would you help me welcome Cassie Hammett to Hope Church today. Well, Cassie, welcome to Hope. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Cassie, I want our church to hear your heart this morning. So would you start just by sharing a little bit about what Purchased Not For Sale is and why are you so passionate about it? So Purchased is a ministry, like he said, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And our ministry exists to give women in the sex industry and victims of human trafficking access to a fully restored life. And we do that in four key ways. We believe that for someone to be fully restored, that they need access to four things. The first one is rescue. A big part of what we do with our work with women in human trafficking and the sex industry, we have to acknowledge the fact that rescue is number one and primary, that they need to be lifted out of the situation that they're in. Secondly, um, we want to give them access to relationships, primarily first and foremost with Jesus. We are unapologetically in love with Jesus, and we want those that we encounter to be the same and to know who he is and what he thinks of them, and then to give them access to relationships beyond that in the church, um, a community that loves them and cheers them on. And then the last two is access to recovery from addiction and trauma and access to resources that they so desperately need in order to be self-sufficient and have the life that God created them to have. So that is what we are about every single day in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it is good and fun and exciting work. So why is that such a big deal that you would invest your life to making a difference in that area? So if we had two hours, right, uh, we could stick around and talk about why this topic is important. Um, But as I was praying through um, a succinct way to say, what is it that keeps us in the game? Because it's hard work um, working in in the lane of human trafficking and working with women in prostitution and pornography. It's hard, hard work. Um, There are two things that came to my heart um, that are the, the two things that drive my husband and I. This is my husband. I call him my tall drink of fine. Stand up, please. We did not... Listen, he is the greatest human being on the earth because he's, A, he's married to me, which it's a lot to be married to me. So just wanted to acknowledge. Um, But the two things that really I wanted to share with you that make this thing important, that make purchase important, is one, the women and children that we're reaching are important and matter because they matter to Jesus. And that's bottom line. They matter to Jesus. And here's the thing. Cover to cover of scripture, there's no way around it. (laughs) There's no way around the fact that Jesus loved the exploited and the outcast of society. So that's the first thing is that they matter to Jesus. Therefore, they have to matter to us if we are his followers. And second, you know, the populations that we work with, a lot of things have happened to them. Their choices have been taken. They've been forced into things they they never imagined themselves doing. They're in a line of work where every day they're being bought and sold and traded. They are not um, experiencing justice and love. All those things are true. But the bottom line about the lives of the women and children we're talking about is their unique destiny that was breathed into them, that's breathed into us as well, to be an image bearer of God has been robbed from them. And for us at Purchase, that matters above everything else because this is what we understand. If we are busy restoring their ability to be an image bearer of the king, then what we know to be true is as they become an image bearer, all the other things will fall into place. All the other things will be provided for them. All the other things will be right at their fingertips because God did not create anyone to be exploited. And so if we can clear the path for a woman or a child to have the ability to bear the image of Christ, what we know is that they will be fully restored because that's who he is. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have not figured it out yet, Cassie is the real deal and Purchased is an extremely exciting ministry. Vance wants to share something else with us. Yeah, I said to the earlier service, Cassie is contagious, right? I mean, you just get around her and the passion that she has. And so because over the year, we've been able to develop this relationship with her and the ministry there in Shreveport, Louisiana. And because of her kingdom heart and her willingness, 
in addition to our launching of the new program in the city, Every Church, Every Child, we are also launching this year a new ministry here in the city of Las Vegas. We're launching Purchased Las Vegas, and we're launching a branch of this ministry. So we're going to be able to wrap our arms around this community and our city, and I believe Las Vegas is going to be a different place to live because God's birthed our church here. So uh, Cassie is going to move here for a month this summer, and she's going to help us train our leadership. We're in the process now of employing a director of this ministry. And uh, your generosity in this next campaign has made it possible for us to be able to hire this director full-time. Cassie's going to be able to come live here for a month, train her, and then have an ongoing partnership relationship with Purchase there in Louisiana to see this ministry extended here in our city. So, Cassie, obviously our church is excited about this, but we also have a lot of questions. So what is the action after today If someone feels like, man, I have more questions or I sense a stirring to potentially be a part of this ministry, what's next? Um, So this is the really fun part about God's kingdom is that, you know, we have these big monstrosities of issues like human trafficking and and it's paralyzing if you look at it, how big it is and how scary and we, we watch too much TV and we get all these ideas of what it is. But the incredible thing about God's kingdom is that you and I in this room, we are wired for it. We are created for the fight. We're created for the trenches. We're wired. We have the power and access to all the answers that the broken need. And so the fun part about this, I always say it's, it's the most fun thing to follow Jesus. It's like the most fun thing because the reality is when you look at the world and the brokenness that exists, you understand as a Christ follower that you have everything you need to engage it and you have everything you need to push back darkness in someone's life. And so um, the first thing I would tell you is don't disqualify yourself from being a part at all, right? Some of you in this room are like, this is super scary or this is really weird, um, I'm out. Or some of you in this room are disqualifying yourselves for a long list of reasons, whatever those reasons are. And I would encourage you first, don't do that. Don't disqualify yourself before you ask God, what do I have that you can use when it comes to the lives of the women and children in this city that are being exploited? So One next step is tomorrow night we're having an interest meeting for purchase. And I said this in the first service, but if you don't want to, if you're scared to death of what you're hearing this morning and you're like, this is the craziest thing we've ever talked about, come tomorrow night. Um, And if you're in this room and you're sold out and you're in and you don't need to know anything else, come tomorrow night. Okay, so tomorrow night is going to be a perfect place to hear logistically what we mean when we say we're launching purchase, what purchase looks like, what it will look like on a daily basis and how you can engage that. So that's tomorrow night at six. Um, Leanne, who's on our team with Purchase, and I will be sharing just in depth with you about how God is going to launch this here in your city. So that's the first thing, and it's at six o'clock here. I don't know where on the campus. I'm not in charge. I just showed up. So (laughs) six o'clock. But the other thing I want to encourage you with that you can actually do today. Um, My husband jokes around with people, don't ever tell my wife what you do for a living because I will figure out how to use it for free for someone who needs it. And so... um, The reality is all of us in this room have something in our hands that we already have. And most of us have a ton of things that we already have, whether that's financial resources, gifts, talents, abilities, careers, passions, hobbies, whatever it is. We already have things in our hands, and those things belong to the kingdom of God. And the reason we know that they belong to the kingdom of God is because they were gifted to us from God. And so what I want to ask of you today is to look into your life and look at the things you already have, the things that are already in your hand, and give us those things. I already already joke with Travis, give us what you've got. I am bold enough to ask you to give us what you have, because the reality is, is that we were all wired the way that we were on purpose. All of our quirks and everything we have is not an accident. And so I would encourage you today, we have a tent out um, in the, what do you call this? Courtyard. Courtyard, sorry. I'm so excited I'm losing my basic words. Courtyard. <laughs> uh, we have a tent out there and we have, Leanne will be out there and we have lists where you can write your name and your information and write what is it that you have that you're willing to explore giving towards this ministry. Um, so that's the exciting part is all of us have a part to play. And whether you like it or not, Hope Church is taking this on. And so that means that you are taking this on. And so I would encourage you to at least be invested in the spiritual realm and be battling in prayer 
for this ministry as we launch it. If you would like to, uh, amen. If you would like to come tomorrow night, you can stop by the tent today and you can register or you can go to a brand new website we just launched uh, last week called purchasedlv.com and you can register on that website and we would love to see you tomorrow night as we talk more about what this is going to look like in our city. Can you thank Cassie today for being with us? And I hope you can see just with, just with two updates in Las Vegas, how Las Vegas is going to be a different place to live because God's invited us to get in on what he's doing. And don't miss this. It's all what he's doing. It's God's activity. He's just allowing us the privilege of being involved in it. And you hear us say often, the kingdom runs on the rails of relationships. And Cassie and Brent, we're so thrilled for the relationship God's given us with you to be able to, to partner and see this happen in our own city that's in such desperate need in this area. But when we launched these initiatives, it was more than just our city, right? We asked God to allow us to impact the Western United States. Uh, you, you know this statistic if you come regularly. America is now the fourth largest lost nation on planet Earth. Only China, India, and Indonesia have more non-Christians living within their borders than the United States of America. And we believe when God birthed our church in Las Vegas, he did so so that we could share the gospel, not just in Las Vegas, but that we could penetrate the lostness of the entire Western United States, that God's called us to reach the West for his glory and honor. So here's what we asked God to do last year. We said, God, would you give us 1% of the West? You say, how much is that? Well, 75 million people live in the Pacific and Mountain time zones. That's what we're counting as the Western U.S. 75 million people. If you drop into any major city in the Pacific or Mountain time zone, you will find between 90 and 95% of every person who lives in that city is not a follower of Jesus. So we've asked God over the next 15 years to give us 1% of the West. That's 750,000 people. You say, how in the world does one church do that? One church can't do that. It demands that we multiply the church. And so we've asked God over the next 15 years to let us plant 300 new churches in the western United States. And those churches, if they each multiply 10 times each, just plant 10 churches. We're going to bring 300. If they'll plant 10 each then those 3,000 churches, if they just reach 250 people each with the gospel, that's 750,000 people. We're asking God to give us 1% of the West. We're going to multiply the church. And what's exciting for me about this is when we began as a church, our first dream was, God, would you let us plant 10 churches in the first 10 years? And God allowed us to do that. But here's what's so awesome about what he's doing now. We're launching nine today. We're commissioning nine new church plants today. So Pastor Travis is going to introduce these planters to us and their families. I'm giving each of them a covenant letter from us where we're covenanting to come alongside them. These, have, these guys have already been involved in our training. Many of them have been assessed here. And today we're making a commitment to uh, starting with a $5,000 investment in every one of these plants up here today. So Travis, would you introduce these to us? And I'll give them this and thank them. As, as I introduce each uh couple, we're going to be showing a picture of their family on the screen. And then as you leave today, you're going to be getting a next 2000 update brochure. And within this brochure, each church plant has specified their greatest prayer need at this moment. So be sure to pick up one of these brochures, see what the needs are for each of these churches and be praying specifically for them. So the first couple that I want to introduce is from the Livingstone Church, Keith and Sherry Baldridge. And they are planting in Broomfield, Colorado. Next is Chase and Lauren Findale. They are planting Anthem Church in Vista, California. Next is Craig Dyson. He's planting Convo Church in Reno, Nevada. Next is Chris Fincham. He is planting City Walk Church in Sacramento, California. 
And this is Chris and Libby Phillips. They are planting Journey Point Church in Stapleton, Colorado. Next is Parker and Jess Manuel. They are planting Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado. Next is Bill and Stephanie Stevens. They're planting the Well Ministries in Loveland, Colorado. Next is Christian and Ashley Watchman. They are planting Kingdom Heights Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And finally, this is David and Jessica Wooster planting Compass Church in San Diego, California. How awesome is that, right? Amen. God is letting us get in on multiplying his church. And I'm telling you, I wish, I can't wait for you to get to spend some time with some of these couples. They got, God is using them. You're going to fall in love with these folks. We're thrilled about what God's doing. I want us to pray a prayer of commissioning over every one of these families today, all right? So I want you just to extend your hands as if you were laying your hands on the shoulders of these men and women of God. And I'm going to pray over them for us as a fellowship. God, I thank you today for all of these men and women of God who stand here. Lord, I pray right now that you would put a hedge of protection around them. God, that you would guard them from the destructive influences of this world. Lord, I pray, God, that you would protect them physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. God, I pray that you would meet every single need that they have. Lord, some of them need core team members. Some of them need finances and resources. Some of them need a place to meet. God, would you just meet every need? Some of them are looking for housing. God, meet every need that they have. Give them divine appointments, relationships in their cities. And Lord, lead them to engage their cities with the gospel. And would you use them to make disciples that make disciples that multiply the church in their cities and among the nations for your glory and honor. God, we pray that you would raise up an army through these men and women of God. Lord, I pray today specifically that you would do exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything they could ask, think, or imagine. And I pray you would do it for your name's sake and for your glory and honor. Lord, we bless you today and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of us say together, amen. Amen. Let these guys and ladies know how much we love them. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now, I'm not going to let you off that easy, all right? There's some other ways that you can connect with them by just a, no other than just applauding and praying, all right? We want to encourage you all to be praying. Get that brochure Travis talked about. Be praying for these men and women of God. But then secondly, some of you, maybe God's going to call you to relocate to one of these cities, Remember what we said when you joined our fellowship? We said when you join our church, we're going to give you every opportunity to leave, right? Here's nine opportunities right here. Maybe God's calling you to one of these cities. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. When we dismiss today, go out to that tent, meet these men and women, hear their story, and be open to what God may be calling you. You may be sitting here, and you are already in the process of relocating to one of these cities, and God today's just knocked you in the face with a divine appointment to get involved in his activity. So some of you may sense the Lord leading you to relocate. Others of you, here's something you can do. You can connect people that you know. All of us have friends and family members that live scattered throughout the West. Maybe there's someone that you know that's in one of these cities that you just heard mentioned. You can connect them to these brothers and sisters, and they can become a part of this core team as they're launching these new churches. Critical, critical step in the process. Third, You can be a part of your small group here at Hope can adopt one of these. I pray that every one of these church plants gets adopted by at least one small group at Hope. You say, what does that mean? We adopt them as our small group. Here's what that means. You pray for them. Maybe once a month, once every other month, you send them a little package, a little gift card, a little note, just that you're thinking about them, praying for them, that they're not alone, they hadn't been forgotten. Uh, You're going to maybe, as a small group, take your whole small group on a mission trip to go to their city and serve for three days or a week to come alongside them. All these ways we can teach you and train you to get involved. We want to encourage you to go by the tent, meet these planners, connect with them, get some information when we're done. 
The last area we want to update you on is about the world globally. We've talked about Las Vegas. We've talked about how God's given us opportunities in the Western United States to multiply the church. But now we want to talk about God's activity in the world. When God birthed our church, we've always said that God had the nations on his heart. It was never just so we could come together and have a place to meet. God called us to be about his mission. Missions is not what we do as a church The mission is why we were born as a church. It's why we exist. The church doesn't do missions. The church is born for the mission. That's why we exist. And that's why, as an update, this this, this summer alone, June, July, and August, we are sending 13 mission teams out of our church in June, July, and August to uh, three different continents joining in God's activity globally just this summer. So we want to see the greatest season of missionary sending we've ever seen in our church. We're starting this summer with 13 teams. Travis, give us another update about something God's opened up to us in the world. So one objective for us with our next campaign as it relates to the world is we desire to plant churches in some of the most strategic cities in the world. More than half of the world's population lives in global urban centers. They are megacities, and the peoples of the earth are flocking to those cities. And through a partnership with the International Mission Board, we are now seeking to plant churches in those cities. And God has led us specifically to engage in a megacity in South Asia. And the majority of the unreached people groups in that part of the world live specifically in this megacity in South Asia. We've already sent two teams that have been on the field serving there in South Asia. Vance led one of those teams and I led one of those teams. And it's overwhelming. Both the magnitude of people who live there, the population, as well as the lostness. Think about this. In Las Vegas, we live in a city of 2.2 million people, and 92% of our city is non-evangelical. In this mega city where we are engaging and seeking to plant churches in South Asia, the population is 22 million people, and it is 99% non-evangelical. It is a huge task, but it is a very strategic task. And while I was on the field in March, I was able to share a very special moment and opportunity with one of our missionaries who lives there. So I want you to watch this quick video for an update from the field. Hey, Hope Church, I have something extremely exciting to share with you today. As you know, as a part of our vision for the next campaign, We are seeking to plant churches in some of the most strategic cities around the world. And right now, I'm actually sitting in one of those cities in South Asia. For the past few days, I've been working alongside Jesse and his team of missionaries as they seek to make disciples and plant churches here in this city. And today, we are officially signing a strategic partnership agreement between us at Hope Church and Jesse and his team here in South Asia. And it is an honor to be able to lock arms with leaders like this who have such a passion to see God's kingdom expanded among the peoples of the earth. Jesse, take a moment and just share your heart with the people of hope. Yeah, we just wanna start by saying thank you uh, to your church and to your leadership team. We've been incredibly blessed by the representatives from your church that have come out, that have labored alongside of us, that have encouraged us, this team as well, that has poured into our team uh, over their trip here. Uh, We are excited about moving forward together with your church, targeting one of the most, uh, what I feel to be one of the most strategically significant cities in all the world. Greater opportunities here for the gospel to move in this city, uh, to, to reach people from all over this country, and not only this country, but surrounding countries as well. It has been our prayer and our expectation that the Lord would raise up from this city, from this country, the greatest missionary force that this world has ever seen. And so we're excited to walk forward in that path together with you all. I've been blessed by your church and just want to say thank you as we move on this together. Amen. With that said, Jesse, I'll go first. Amen. 
Hope Church, this is a big step for us as we continue to seek to see this vision for the next campaign become a reality. Amen. Thanks, brother. Awesome stuff. Amen. So God has opened a door to us there in this mega city on the other side of the world. And you keep hearing us say mega city in South Asia. You say, why aren't you telling us the city? Well, because what we're sharing today is going to be posted online. And there are security issues for people that are working there, uh, sharing the gospel. And so if you go to the tent, the global tent, you can find out exactly where that is. And they'll tell you out there. But we're excited about this incredible opportunity we have to engage in God's activity in this, in this particular city in the world. But there's another update that has to do with globally. You will remember, many of you that were here in 2012, in 2012, we adopted as a church what's called an unengaged, unreached people group. You say, what does that mean? It describes a people group that has its own language and culture, but they are totally unreached, meaning there are no or very few known believers among them, and they're really unengaged. They're not even on anybody's radar yet to get the gospel to them. We adopted a people group out of the Arabian Peninsula. We call them, with a pseudonym, we call them the Wadi people. They're located in the Arabian Peninsula. It's a people group of 700,000 people, and we don't know of but a few believers that even exist among this people group. There's no church. There's no gospel. There's no witness. There's no missionaries living among them currently. They are unengaged and unreached. And we embraced a a, a vision in 2012 of a 50-year strategy, meaning we may not see this even in our lifetime. But we're going to trust God that we're going to lay the seed and trust him and pray to him that he would let us see a church planted that would begin to reproduce and multiply churches among this people group. Well, we, we've been praying that since 2012. Many of you pray like I do every day. My phone dings at 1014 because of Romans 1014 with a reminder to pray for God to open the door to the Wadi people to share the gospel. So some of us for the last six years have prayed every day at 1014, God, open these people to the gospel. You're not going to believe what's happening. Um, there was a young man who lived, he's of the Wadi people, and he lived in this country in the Arabian Peninsula. His name is Adam. And the country where our people group is located is a war-torn country. And Adam and his family fled from the bullets and missiles that had become commonplace during the civil war that ravages his homeland. They fled as refugees to a surrounding country. When they were in that country, they were struggling as refugees there, and God led them to meet a couple, Mark and Megan. Now, that name will sound familiar to some of you. Mark and Megan were our missionaries that were serving in this area close to the Wadi people, but because of danger, were pulled out and sent to a surrounding country to work among the refugees trying to minister to this people group. this, This couple met Adam and his family began to do life with them, began to share the good news of Jesus with them. Well, about a year later, we sent a a go time team from here at Hope. Some people from our church went to this surrounding region and we served for a week in this refugee camp. While we were in this refugee camp, our team got to do life with Adam and his family. And when our team, after a a few days there on the field with them, when our team left, Adam and his family uh, said that the community they enjoyed with our team was something that they'd been desperately looking for. So much so that two weeks after our team left, Adam gave his life to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. The first person... Listen, we've been praying for six years. This is the first person among the Wadi we've seen come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But get this, it gets even better. Adam's in the refugee camp, and he connects with a friend in the refugee camp that he didn't know was there named Abraham. They'd worked together in their homeland. They'd worked in the same hotel, but they both had left with their families and fled to this refugee camp. Adam didn't know Abraham and had done this, and Abraham didn't know Adam had done this, but both of them independently had become 
become followers of Jesus Christ. They meet in the refugee camp. Adam's just given his life to Christ through our team and missionaries working with him. And they begin to talk about God's activity in their life. And we believe what's happening there is not a coincidence. We believe it is the building block of the first church among the thousands of people among the Wadi who've never heard the gospel before. Our our, uh, pastor of cross-cultural mobilization summed it up best when he said this about where we are on the journey. He said, look at this on the screen, to borrow a biblical metaphor, we are still in the first chapter of Acts. A handful of lives have been transformed. The gospel is being lived out in a hostile environment, but we are still looking forward to Pentecost. Right now, we're living in Acts chapter 1. There are a few believers. It's hostile. It's a difficult situation, but we are praying for the wind of the Holy Spirit of God to move, and we're ready to get to Acts chapter 2, where day by day, they're being saved and being led to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're praying for a mighty move of God among the people. So we wanted to share with you today and just give you a glimpse into some of the ways that God has been working in response to what we shared with you a year ago. And we've only had time to give you, I mean, just the high points of all that God has done. And we launched this over 15 years. This is just year one. And God has already given us such favor and we're excited. So here's how I want to close this. Here's the question of the morning. How do you get involved? How do you get involved? Let me give you, I'm going to speak to four groups of people in the room. Number one, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus at all. You're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. And even hearing some of this, you're like, what in the world? I thought the church was a place you went to to get a pick me up on the weekend. What is all this? No, no, no. See, at Hope, we believe the church exists for something more than that. The church exists to, to expand the kingdom locally and globally. The church exists to serve the mission of God. And let me tell you what the mission of God is all about. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, here's the mission of God. God loves you. And everything we've described today is because we want to share with the peoples of the earth, the people in our own city, that God loves you. The Bible says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you don't know Jesus today, and you would like to know this Jesus who's changing the world, we'd invite you, when our service dismisses in just a moment, we're going to have some Next Steps volunteers that are just going to hang out around the stage down here. You'll know who they are because they're going to have a lanyard on that'll say Next Steps on it. If you'd like to have a conversation with them about who Jesus is and how much he loves you and how in his word he says that he can forgive you of your sin and give you new life, you just come down here to one of these Next Steps volunteers. When everybody else is leaving, you just make your way down here. They'd be happy to have a conversation with you about Jesus. But secondly, (coughs) I want to talk to a second group. If you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus... But maybe you're just a guest. You're visiting. You're not a part of the Hope family. Well, if you're a first-time guest, when you leave today, we want you to stop by our guest center. We have a gift that we want to give to you to say thank you for being here. It's just our way to express our gratitude for you coming. But maybe today you've heard some stuff and you've said, hey, I want this to be my church family. I want to be a part of a church that's changing the world for the glory and honor of God. If you want to know how to become a part of our family, there's a Next Step Center out in the lobby. You can stop by that center, and they would love to answer questions for you about how you can become a part of our faith family here at Hope. Third group of people, you're a part of the Hope family, but you're new to Hope. And you weren't here a year ago when we launched this. A year ago when we launched this, we gave everybody in our church a packet that gives you detailed information about how you can pray, how you can invest, and how you can be involved over and above your regular giving and involvement in the next campaign. If you're new to our Hope family and you don't have one of these, you stop by the tent out there, pick one of these packets up, and we'll be happy to answer any question that you have. The final group, if you're here today and you're already a part of the Hope family and you're already investing and involved in this, Maybe today, God has stirred your heart about something specific that we've shared. I want to challenge you. Stop by the tent. Get some information about that church plant, that fostering ministry, purchased, this global opportunity. Whichever one God's stirred your heart about, 
go by, get some information, figure out how you can be more invested and more involved in what God's doing in and through our fellowship. Hey, Hope Church, we got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. God's been good to us. Here's what I want us to do now. I want us to close this time in a moment where we just pray, where we talk to our Father about all that he's laid before us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. God, you're so good. We sang it at the beginning of our service. God, you are so good. And we thank you for your goodness to us as a faith family. And we ask, God, today that you would continue to pour out your favor, your blessing, your goodness on us. Would you just take a moment right now and thank God for what he's done? Just thank him. And would you ask him, Lord, how do you want me to be involved? When we say the church is engaged in this, we mean us, all of us. We're the church. The church isn't a building. It's not an organization. We're the church. How is God leading you to get involved? Lord, we ask you to have your way today. Lord, move among us. God, we pray for divine appointments over the next few moments. Lord, that those that don't know Christ would be drawn to Christ. God, those that need to connect in a fellowship would get connected. Lord, those that need to join in your activity, God, that you would connect them out at these tents for your glory and honor. We bless you. We worship you. We honor you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.